Well, we're here again. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. We're really happy to be coming together again to be doing uh, this special Christmas episode with all of you to talk through, as we have for the past couple years, the 12 questions of Christmas. We've got some old questions that we've done before. We've got some new questions that we're bringing to the table. I'm here, uh, DM Mitch, joined with... It's me, DM Neil, a.k.a. Jote Moniak. And I'm DM Chris, a.k.a. DM Chris. And here we are again. Last year we did kind of a, a little bit different of an episode. We did the end of the year campfire. Uh, I think that was uh, intentional because 2020 was just such a year. But here we are. We're back doing our Christmas episode of the DMB, a very... Merry DMB Christmas, uh, whatever we were talking before the show. Is this seven? Is this eight? We don't know. We're so we're so into podcasting now that we've lost track of the years. But um, yeah. Well, what's crazy about that? We're coming up like what in like two years on ten years or something oh like that. Oh my gosh, I don't even that's believe that. That's insane to me. It's crazy. It's that like weird place where it seems years. like it. It's like it's been that long, but at the same time. Like, I go, well, can you remember not doing podcasting, <laughs> right? And I'm like, I don't exactly. know. Like, it's yeah. just the life yeah. now, right? But yep. anyway, uh, we've got our 12 questions of Christmas, and we don't want to waste any more time. Let's let's dive into those questions. So let's start out with question number one. And Chris, why don't we start with you this year? We'll go Neil, and then I'll, I'll uh, round us off since I'll be asking the questions. So the first question, Chris is what was your favorite episode from the Dungeon Master's Block in 2021? Yeah, my favorite episode was episode 226, which was Biomods with Jeff Barber. That was one of my favorite conversations that we had on the year of like, how could you incorporate weird mutations into your characters that were like purposely done to modify your characters? Um, Because he wrote the uh, book, Neil helped me out with what the blue planet, blue planet that's yeah. what it was yeah. yes and he was he was fantastic a ton of fun to talk to I remember him being super nervous about being on and being like I'm not a guy for podcasting I was like <laughs> how are you not a guy for podcasting because you were super great yeah. at that you know well um, yeah which is so funny because he's, he's a teacher I'm like, I know I know exactly yeah. exactly so I think that was one of my favorite ones just from the perspective of like thinking about how you can spice up play because every character is usually like two arms and two legs but like how do you make those things even more interesting with giving some sort of bio modification uh to them was super fun uh that was my favorite episode that was definitely a podcast too that was like years that like it was just we had to get to it at some point right because yeah we can thank rich howard for this but blue planet has been mentioned on this this podcast uh, numerous times from the very first time that i think Rich joined us, which would have been our first year. So it had to happen Mm -hmm. eventually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. What about you, Neil? Uh, So I think I didn't look up the number, but if memory serves, I think it's actually the next episode. It's 227 where we got cross interviewed by Matthew Lord. (laughs) Yes, that was me and you. Yeah, yeah, it was so it was so random that basically just the idea in his head was like, well, if you guys are going to ask me a bunch of questions, well, then I get to ask you a bunch of questions. That was also the episode, Neil, where he had so much like Internet troubles because that was right 
when everybody was still kind of at home mm-hmm. doing at home. Oh yeah, he was at home. And, he was getting crazy looks from baseball. his kids, so he moved rooms three times. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess that, that's a little insider baseball of just like the, it was such an enjoyable experience. <laughs> To make that episode and then also very funny to hear and I know some of our listeners comment, commented as well of how interesting it was that the interviewee just flipped it and was just like well hey well, what are you guys doing what's going on with you and it's like what, oh what you eating that, over there that's not, that's not how this <laughs> works Mitch what about for you what was your favorite episode from the air I get I guess kind of to keep the little bit of insider baseball thing going and I mean that's kind of our next question too but specifically for my favorite um, episode. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but there are definitely episodes for me that sometimes I'm not like super excited to record. And typically for me, it, it comes down to a topic that I personally feel like I don't have enough knowledge or anything to bring to the table with that conversation. And one of those episodes that I was kind of like, Uh, Like, I just was like, how are we going to make this into an episode? How are we going to have good discussion based off of this? Uh, Was episode 233, Low to No Combat Campaigns with Paul Shapiro and Charlie Rahor. And uh, I just went into that episode going, man, like, I love this concept. And I think I DM this concept uh, fairly well. But I was just sitting at a point, I remember telling you, Neil, I don't know how we make this into an episode topic. And I was so afraid of dead air and it just turned into one of the best. For me, it was my favorite episode, my favorite conversation of the entire year. And honestly, that really has a lot to do with Paul and Charlie and their expertise. Uh, And they kind of got the juices, uh, the flowing for me and Neil as well and being able to dive in and and talk more about that. But um, it's partially my favorite because it's such good content and also partially my favorite because going into it, I was like, how are we going to do this? What are we going to talk about? So yeah, yeah, a little insider baseball there. But speaking of little insider baseball, our next question number two is what was your favorite off air moment for the DMB, uh, this podcast in 2021? Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I think my favorite off-air moment was, um, so I have a, a group of players that have been playing together for a couple of years now, but it's like over half of the group's like first time playing and they've just wanted to like soak up everything about D&D. Not all of them, but but a good couple of them do. And it's funny how many times I'll say something on an episode and then they'll be like, oh, <laughs> you talked about that in the last episode. Like when we did the weather awesome. episode, it was like, oh. you started, you started incorporating weather more. And then it was like two, but it was like two or three <laughs> sessions later where they were like, surprise, oh, surprise. We learned started, from podcasting, right? <laughs> you started putting weather into it. So like those sorts of moments where it was like, okay, I really have to be careful now what I say on the yeah. podcast because my players listen to uh, everything. And the, that was just funny to me because it's like, I just, I love watching people, even though they're not even DM, just like loving um, mm-hmm. everything to do with D and D. Cause it does, it doesn't, one of the questions last later, I'll expound on this a little bit more, but it just creates such a fun community um, for people to be a part of, including my own players who gosh, dang it. Now I have to <laughs> keep under wraps the things that I talk about on here. We got to do some like specific to your players redacted uh, episodes where it's like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it just bleeps out certain things that you say. That's awesome. Neil, what about pri- you? I like the idea. You're making a private feed where like you guys can listen <laughs> yeah. to this. You can't listen to the. I'm going to be honest. That one. sounds like so much work. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, 100% kidding. Like, if you want to do that, Chris, go <laughs> for it. But Not my, my yeah. players can just listen in, whatever. I'll redact Spoilers. myself from saying things. <laughs> what do you think, Neil? 
Oh, well, it's pretty close because, like, you know, we get, you know, full transparency. Obviously, like, we get the review copies of things and some and promotional stuff. So the one that we got that ended up being the most fun was that we got the uh, D and D and nerds promotional stuff, and like my kids went over hmm. the moon. So they're five and seven, um, and so we've been playing through that. Like, I've literally like gone to the store to buy nerds to like old school, like cut my cereal box top. And basically I, you have to upload your receipt for the nerds proving you bought it. And now I've, I've got all six adventures with individual characters and the seventh culminating adventure. And so we've started to go through those together and like, I use the nerds gummy clusters as the monsters <laughs> and then they kill them and they're like, I'm going to eat what I kill. Um, so yeah, that's probably the highlight. Yeah. That's awesome. That's super cool. Mitch, what about you? Uh, for me, it's honestly, so the beginning of this year, uh, for me, the, my favorite episode was pretty easy for me to pick because I looked back at this year and I wasn't in a ton. And that was because I, in my own like personal life, like I was making a move across the country. I was changing jobs. I had a lot going on. And uh, my favorite off-air moment was like while I was going through that, I reached this point where I had to say to the two of you, like, guys, I, I can't be doing podcasting right now. There's just so much going on. And like just you both just stepping up and being like, no problem. Like we got this. And I know we've each of us have done that. Like when something's happened in our lives, it's like, mm -hmm. I, I can't focus on this right now. We're we're always do that. But it is just such a nice thing to be able to go. I can take a step back and know that you guys uh, are taking the show and, and just running it and doing it well. And uh, that was something for me that it's like, I still appreciate that. So that, and then also just being able to get back into it as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's the beauty of having, <laughs> we didn't close the door behind you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Finally, all the passwords have changed. I can't get, they don't that's answer weird. my text anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the beauty of having this group is like, we, we've all done that at different, like when I had a child, I like, I stepped away for a little while. Like when we, when I moved here, we, I stepped away for a little while to Illinois, you know, like. We've yep. all done that at various different times, and it's just it's nice having this group to be able to do that. Yeah, I but mean, we can Chris, still you, bring content. At one point, you were like, "I can't do podcasting anymore." Period. See you later, and we yeah. were so sad. We had a goodbye episode for you, but it's nice yeah. to have you back. Well, that, and was, chat. that was because of master's degrees and working yeah. multiple jobs and yep. all that sort of crazy stuff. So, yeah. So goodbye may never be the end for for any of us. We'll see. Never say goodbye. It's just always <laughs> see you later. Thanks, John. See you Thank later. You. That's it. All right. Number three. Question number three is what was your favorite moment out of your D&D &D adventures in 2021? Chris. We had, a, we had a good stretch for a while. So we started playing just before COVID with the group. And then everything shut down for a while. And we didn't play for a little while because we were like, well, we're going to be back in person. Like everybody was all over the place with everything. So we didn't do online for a long time. Like we might've taken like a four or five month break from everything, mm -hmm. but we got a consistent string again, like towards the fall of last year into the spring. And I remember it was like early spring where really felt like everybody started to get like the mechanics of their characters down, like the backstories of their characters down, so on and so forth. At one point there was a fight, they were in the um, shadow fell and there was um, some, uh, wyverns that had been corrupted by the shadows that were there and they had found a ring of spell storing just beforehand we have a cleric who had stored some spells in the the um in the ring and one of our sorcerer our sorcerer had just learned how to misty step 
And so the, the wyverns are flying around doing their whole thing. They're in this like weird swampy area and our cleric goes down and everybody's super low health. Like we're like, Oh crap. What this, like, this is going to be a TPK. Like what's happening. And my player's like, can I use Misty step like as a bonus action and just like get over to our cleric here and use the ring of spell storing to like heal him. I was like, yes, you can, you can do that. And just to like watch his face light up. Cause he had like, he had been a sorcerer and he's kind of like, am I just a magic missile person? Like, is that all I am? Like, am I magic missile and burning hands, you know, like still trying to figure out sorcerer points and everything. And for him to like feel, Oh, this character could be played in so many different ways because Mm. of this ring and this misty, like just watching his face light up because of the possibilities. And that also like clicked for the rest of our players too, of like, Oh, there are really cool things that we can do when we combine our abilities as characters. And so that was, that was like the moment where I think everybody was like, boom okay i love this game like this is this is super fun um and all of them remember that fight to this day of how keltan the sorcerer misty stepped and healed you know as the cleric because the cleric went like it's a it's a legend so it was super cool (laughs) that's awesome what about you neil i think for me it was that i repurposed um a kraken model from a, a different board game uh do, do, it just happened to fit in the campaign that i was doing but part of it was also like i haven't really painted anything in a really long time but i was like ah, but if i'm gonna bring this model from this game into my own game like it's got to be painted so then like i went through just like relearning to paint miniatures and it turned out way better than I was expecting. Like dove into like these like translucent, almost like paint that people use for scales. I also used water effects for the first time. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is why people just like spend hours doing this. Cause like, if you can get to that end product, like it is really worth that time investment. Um, so that was probably one of, the more fun moments because the Kraken was also tearing apart the ship they were on. So it was like a, a like a time issue as well. Um, so they were definitely super stressed out. Of course, when I also bring a giant painted Kraken, there's just the level of stress automatically when increases. When you plop that down on the table, uh, it's yeah. such uh-huh. a good DM yeah. feeling. Ooh, right? DM yeah. got a new toy. That's what it always <laughs> well, is with well, minis. The minute you get a mini, it's like, well, how can well, I get this in my campaign? Yeah. Well, and what worked really well is like one of the, because of the way that that board game worked, it really worked with the way the story was for the campaign because the tentacles are what's arriving first. Mm-hmm. They're in the hold. They're trying to get a special item, and now they're getting out. And tentacles are popping through. But because of the way it was for the board game, I actually had tentacle figures, and then later could drop the whole creature, the head, and everything like that. So yeah, they were. They were a little, a little scared. They, they, it worked out. They're fine. Say, <laughs> Those are the minis like, you gotta hide. <laughs> Those are the minis you gotta hide, right? Like if you get like yep. a pack of gnolls because you have a gnoll battle coming up, like whatever. You, you put the gnolls in front of the players. They don't even notice, but they're gonna notice the giant kraken mini you're painting. I remember getting the falling starship and like hiding that in my closet for oh, months, yeah. waiting to be able to pull it out and drop it on the table. It's just yeah, it, you don't want them to see it before you, you put it out there. So no, definitely not. What about you, Mitch? For me, uh, we f- I, I said like uh, we moved across the country. So uh, with that comes the bittersweet of um, uh, mostly just uh, bitter with that, but uh, saying goodbye to my home group uh, from back in Michigan, uh, playing with them for the last time in person for um, a long time, if 
if just for good. Um, and so we got to finish a two-year campaign uh, with that group and some of those players I had been playing with for over 10 years uh, in uh, my world of Atos. And uh, and that two years uh, with that campaign, part of that was through, Chris, you mentioned this a little bit, but you know through COVID and through playing uh, in person, then online, getting back together safely in person. Um, and so when I, it became clear I was moving, we, we really were like, all right, well, we want to finish this and we want to finish it well. So we started playing rather than every other week, every week, and just uh, really diving into it. And uh, it was uh, probably my favorite campaign to date, uh, my favorite uh, end of a campaign to date. Um, and my favorite epilogue, Chris, were you able to, were you there on the last night? We I was played? there I on the last you, night. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you, even though you uh, live in Chicago and not in, uh, Michigan anymore, you, you came over and you played with us for that last, uh, game night, but yeah, it just, you know, the culmination of not just a two year campaign, but a two year campaign that we were going through some tough stuff in real life. And, um, with some friends that I have played D and D with for 10 years. Um, that was very special. Uh, and the campaign was just fantastic. So, uh, that was my favorite. Number four, uh, what was the coolest RPG item in or out of game you received during 2021? Chris? I think it was shortly before 2021, but I think after the last Christmas episode. Hmm. Um, and I think it was 2020, but then again, the last two years have kind of blended together. Yeah. <laughs> so who the heck knows? Yeah. Um, but it was actually the horn that you got me for Christmas one year. I think oh, that was last nice. year. Was that last year? Or was yes, that, yes. Yeah, I think so. That you had gotten what for you, me because I the horn that makes no sense to our listeners. The drink, the drinking horn yeah. is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that. I use it pretty much every week. It's either that or a stein that I have for drinking stuff I'm out so of, nice. and like it's it's super cool. It's one of those like players know when the drinking horn comes out, it's time yeah. for D and D sort of thing, you know. <laughs> so that's uh, that that's by far uh, my favorite thing that I've received um, awesome. over the past that makes year. Me happy. So yeah, it's, it was super cool. What about you, Neil? I love my drinking horn as well. No, no. Feels but, like, eh. but the, uh, I use it to stab people. The, the the other one that was like trying to get more stuff for the kids and get them engaged. So one of the like the f- most fun things has been like watching them try and figure out what like dice bags want they want them to be. So we were at the local game store and there was a snowy owl bear that can hold dice, and so that's what my daughter wanted. And so like it was really funny because it looks like a stuffed animal and then like you can open the middle and like she just got so gruesome and dark with it i was just like oh uh, she's like oh i killed it and i can take its insides out i'm like no no it's just a dice bag we don't have to we don't have to say all these uh terrifying things child um <laughs> but yeah the snowy owlbear dice bag fantastic um for me it, it was a christmas gift from last year as well uh but it was given it was given to me in 2021 in january when my D group got back together so this isn't cheating uh but f- uh, fans of the show will know hashtag magic mark uh he made for me a custom uh he built it himself oh, yeah. uh wooden dm sh- screen and uh not only is that a cool thing to have um, but it's just meaningful, especially now having moved away from, from Michigan, that it's something I got to take with me, 
uh, from one of my players uh, back in Michigan. So definitely my favorite. Um, and then number five, what was your favorite RPG book of 2021? Chris, what do you think? Mine was uh, Fizbins. I really love dragons. And so um, I had been looking to either create uh, a like create stats for a dragon that the characters had run into, but none of them quite fit that. And so I was just like throwing the name shadow in front of hmm. the dragon yeah, um, and tweaking a few stats, but then it had in it uh, a dragon that had now has the stats for if they ever come across this dragon again. And it was just like, it was so well-timed and it's just got so many like fun, different types of dragons. I was like, Oh, that'd be so much fun to like throw those things in there and just gave me so many fun ideas and the artwork was beautiful. And it was, that was my favorite uh, RPG. Yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to jump right over Neil uh, and just say mine too. That was my answer. Fizzbins was my favorite by far. Like you said, Chris, I mean, dragons are fantastic and the dragons we got in that book, including mm-hmm. the new dragonborns, would mm-hmm. just like, I don't, I say this in a good way. They're so weird and out mm-hmm. there. Um, and yeah, the monster section of that book, super fun. Fizzman's was my favorite as well. Yep. Now, Neil, you tell us why Fizzman's was your favorite. <laughs> uh, so Fizzman's no, no, no. So, uh, so two I had, uh, well, I have two because one is so far out there. Uh, Drakar Ak Demoner, the Monster Balkan, because it was a Kickstarter I followed because it was the art was from an artist I loved, but it it basically translates to Dragons and Demons Monster Book. Um, But it was just I loved the art, and so then I got it to be inspired by that. But the other big one is Thrones and Bones, Mm Norengard from Luanders, getting that book in hand, Um, just having seen so much of it because of how close we all are now to to Lou over the years, like just seeing that as it's progressed and hearing about it so early in the process Mm -hmm. and then to have that physically in hand. Um, so yeah awesome well I already gave, I already gave my answer so question number six uh, a returning question over the years uh, what 2021 movie is the greatest inspiration for a D&D campaign Chris oh I read that wrong I took it for inspiration for my campaign so I'm going to answer it based oh, off of that answer so, based off of that man um, your interpretation <laughs> yeah so the, the, the one that got me rethinking about the villain that the players are running into over and over again in my campaign, the movie that helped me craft some of the backstory was actually Cruella from Disney plus Um, just from the standpoint of like, I really appreciated how they made her a likable villain. Um, And although my players have not come up against a ton of the backstory of this character yet, like the stuff that I've written, um, for this person's backstory, this character's backstory, um, that just was like perfectly timed for when they were coming up against this character for like the first real time. And, um, just thinking through like, how do I make them sympathetic and also still hate this person at the same time? Um, cause they did that with both people in Cruella, both Cruella and whatever her arch enemy, yeah, other the fashion person was Baroness, right? Yeah. The Baroness. Yeah. 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 So they did that with both of them. And I thought that was just like, it was really cool to see the layers of like how tragedy can warp people in ways that like they can't control, you know? So I think that was, that was why it was a great inspiration for me just to keep me thinking in that train of thought. Neil, what do you think? So the answer to this question always like, isn't 
what is the greatest movie of 2021? No, like, that's never not. how this works. <laughs> so my answer is Mortal Kombat. Mm. Dun, 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 dun. Wait, you yeah, don't think that was you... the greatest movie? Did... <laughs> no, because no. I ask myself every time I watch it, or every every time you time... watch it, you watched it more than once. No, nope. yeah, you watched it more yeah, than it was definitely once. Just man. one time. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I, I guess it holds true. Every time I watched it, the one time I asked myself, why is the poster of Scorpion in Sub-Zero? Because um, they weren't really in it that yeah. much. But it does show like origin stories, people getting their powers. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a, a quick hit of like how a story could be made. And then you're choosing what of those elements do you like? What don't you like? And then you could adapt that into its own D&D campaign. Yeah. Just in case there's any like super duper fans of that movie out there. Uh, I just want to state that it was fine. <laughs> it wasn't terrible. It was exactly what I expected oh, no, I, of the Mortal Kombat. Yeah, you're not going into it to be like, this thing is going to win a ton no, of awards. No, I can't wait for a 10-plus like rating mo- story to be told here. Yeah, well, It's like the Expendables back in the day. Nobody went into that expecting that it was yeah. going to win a ton of awards. You went into it exactly why you wanted to go into it. Yeah. Um, my f- uh, The one that I would give, I honestly wrote like, two down because I was like, oh, somebody's going to take this one. Uh, maybe it's the, you guys went a little bit off rather than picking the one that I feel like is the most obvious. And that's Shang-Chi. Oh um, yeah. On, honestly, Shang-Chi is phenomenal. Uh, I won't give spoilers, but like half the movie is like the first half is like classic Kung Fu style movie. And then the second half is like high fantasy esque. And it's amazing what they uh, – Marvel just keeps doing this thing where they take ideas that other um, movie makers would go, we can't do that. That's too weird. And Marvel's just like, now nah, we're going to do it, and we're going to make it awesome. Uh, and they certainly did that with the fantasy elements in that movie. Um, I wish I had that movie to be inspired by uh, with that previous two-year campaign because we were doing a lot of um, Japanese and Chinese-inspired um, fantasy lore in that uh game and that shang chi just dives into that so well and it's phenomenal i won't say anymore but great movie uh question number seven what was the greatest lesson from rpgs that you learned over the past year chris i I alluded to it a little bit earlier but i just love how um it can bring groups of people together that normally wouldn't hang out with each other and just for the love of creating stories and games together, you end up hang- like that's not that my group wouldn't hang out together, but like I pulled them all together for D and D and they're of various different ages ranging from like forties to like tw- mid twenties, you know? And it's like, normally people like that don't hang out with each other, you know, but bringing them together and being like, no, we're this crazy group of people. And like seeing how everybody like, interacts in our group chat like outside of like the couple days before leading up to it and watching how they interact in the game and deal with consequences and work through situations and just the memories that they've built is especially over like covid where we we weren't able to do a whole bunch of stuff um until like this past summer basically um yeah it was just really cool to watch it give us stuff to do um and how i heard from like multiple people um like it was it was a great thing and it was needed um through that period of time to have a group and community that we knew we could look forward to being with in times where we couldn't be with a ton of people so that that that's that's my greatest lesson that i've learned over the past year 
we did an episode, uh, something along those lines of, I don't know what episode it was, but it was years ago with, I think it was with the geek preacher on intergenerational, like role-playing. Um, and I've, I've found the same thing to be true. Uh, D and D has been an awesome place to get people of different age groups that typically would not interact with each other together mm-hmm. and interacting. Um, and from there, like interacting because they have this, this shared experience together and it's, it's fantastic. Right. Yeah. Neil. So one of the ones I took away in, I feel like, I don't know if it's like COVID related because like that importance on connecting with a smaller group of people and those things. But one that I realized, like, I don't know that I've focused on as much uh, and maybe it's the gray in my beard, but the idea that meeting your players where they are, um, you know, there's been like a lot of focus on like, if it's not the right table for you, certainly you need to leave or, but then in the same token, like is the reverse of that, the players all needing to meet the, t- be at the table in the same way at the same level. Um, and it's just a realization that whatever level of importance the person puts on the game, like that's okay. Um, so like I have a player that doesn't and like the realization I came to was like that's okay like I don't I don't care because you're meeting this you're meeting this table and using this game the way you need to and I should facilitate that as the person running it um and everyone should be okay that you're engaging with it in the way that you can and the ways that you need to so yeah meeting the players where they are um rather than just like having a set of rules that all the players need to meet um, for me, uh, I, this was one I had to think the, the hardest about, um, but what I landed on was uh, cameos bring me as much joy as my players. Uh, I, I've talked about cameos plenty on the show before. It, the idea of like, uh, Chris, you and me have played together for years and we're playing in a, a campaign and uh, it's set 500 years in the future in my world, but you're just walking along and you come across a book that's written by a previous character of yours. Or it could be something even like uh, more, you know, hitting the nail on the head of like you meet a previous character kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now I've moved across country and I have a whole different group of players. One of them isn't isn't totally new. It's somebody I went to college with in Michigan, which is wonderful. So he will actually get some of the references but I've been dropping references to previous uh, player characters into my current campaign. And, um, you know, you could say, why are you doing that? Because these players won't get that. But I find enjoyment of that. And it's it's carrying along those player characters because they were important to the world and to the story of the, of the world that I've created. And for me, I, I might sit there and go, yeah, they don't know you know, this player character from the previous campaigns, nor do they know the awesome person uh, that was behind that player character choosing the choices that that character was making, but I do. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's something, uh, I mean, nostalgia, I guess is the word, but just remembering uh, that those times with uh, that character at the table and with those people at the table for me, uh, even if nobody else is getting it. I still really enjoy it. So cameos are fun. That's for sure. Question number eight. Uh, what other RPGs or board games did you play in 2021? What other great RPGs or board games did you play? My wife got really into the board game pandemic. 
like uh, no of general course. class. <laughs> like, People either avoid that uh, game like the plague to make a pun it, yeah. or ran to it with COVID. Yeah. So I was glad when we switched off of that one. Like I like it, but to play it like multiple <laughs> times a week, I was just like, this yeah. is too much. It's too much. Yeah, she yeah. no, she fell hard in the, pa- in the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so the other game that we got that was really fun was the game called Santorini. I don't know if you guys have played it before, but it's kind of like yeah it's like multi-layered chess you play as like gods it's super and stuff fun. like that so um so it's yeah you, you you do that and then like you build up and your your characters have different powers and like your whole goal is to get to the top of the tower before anybody else does while you're building it's super fun you should look it up um each each god character has different abilities so the game changes every single time and it's randomly drawn and it, it's a blast it's so much fun yeah Neil? So mine is super quick. It's Monster Mayhem. It is. My kids love it. Everyone that we play loves it because like we played it just at Thanksgiving because the rules of the game literally go down to draw a card, play a card. You know the game. Done. That's it. So like that's the whole game. I love it. It's so easy. People love it. And it's a fun Monster game. Mayhem. Yeah. Buy it. Yeah. I like it a lot. Nice quick party game. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally just in the past week got uh, this is a early Christmas gift. It's a game called Illamot. Uh, It is created, Mm -hmm. Chris, you both know it. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's created by the Decemberist and our friend Keith Baker, uh, creator of Eberron. Um, I've wanted this game for a long time because I love both the Decemberist and Keith Baker. Um, And I got it and it did not disappoint. It was like, you. it's one of those games where you lay it out and you're like, what the heck heck is going (laughs) on? And then you start playing, you're like, like, this is really simple, but... There's a lot of strategy that goes behind it, and the artwork is beautiful. It's phenomenal. It's a really good Easy. up to four player game. Yeah, easy to learn, yeah. difficult to master. Yeah, falls in that yeah, category for sure. sure. Yeah. Which are the best kind of games, right? Yeah. Question number nine: <laughs> What classic Christmas food would you like to see made into a fantasy dish served at the tavern your adventurers frequent? Chris, this one immediately came to my mind. It's a dessert that my grandma makes called plum pudding course here's the thing it has nothing to do with plums or pudding i had just okay. zero idea why it's called that but it's essentially like a what raisin it? bread it's a warm okay. raisin bread that you put like a butter sauce over the top of it huh. and you eat it with a fork i still don't know why it's called plum pudding that's what we've always called it and so like, that's is that a your family thing or is yeah, that like, a, like that's what it's called i'm sure it's a th- i i don't know i have not cared well, it, enough. that's a, so it's a play on bread pudding where it's like i don't know why it's called pudding like it's hmm. not pudding yeah and we have raisins yeah. and not plums. I don't, I don't get it, but it's so good. And it would be like, it would pay homage to my grandma, even though she's yeah. still alive. I'm just like, that'd be a super fun thing to have. Like it's a homey thing that sounds like it would be in a tavern. Absolutely. And also when they order the plum pudding and they, they get it and it's not plum pudding. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Neil, what do you think? Uh, so I made it like a, like a truly fantastical thing. So, so my brother-in-law his wife is Jewish, and so we refer to each other in, as latkes because it's okay. like in-law, in-law. Um, so she actually started making those at like 
we helped her experience Christmas for the first time. She goes all in. She watches the movies with us. She like wears the outfits, but then she also makes matzo ball soup and latkes mm. um, during the holidays for us. So my thought was the latkes, but then I also like the magic component. Just it, it makes everyone follow the law, uh-huh. and that's why they're called <laughs> latkes. Let's move on. Oh gosh, love it. Um, mine's pretty simple to be honest. I I toyed around with a couple things, but I just think that um, you go into a tavern and like you're playing D&D around the holidays, just having there be like maybe one or maybe an assortment of, oh, we have like peppermint, uh, special peppermint drinks on the menu. You know, like, I don't, it's funny. I don't even like peppermint. <laughs> I really don't like peppermint, but it's so like a Christmas thing to be like, mm-hmm. oh, there's peppermint lattes and peppermint this and peppermint that. And just, you know, just like during Thanksgiving, it's pumpkin everything, right? I feel like having peppermint drinks on the menu at the tavern would be a really good way to implement Christmas, the holidays, into your tavern adventures. So, question number 10. Uh, how would you take a classic D&D monster and Christmasify it? Chris? I would have something called a sleigh dragon, where the Santa Claus of the world wherever you're playing has a dragon with a big red nose that glows at night <laughs> and he rides on the top of it from town to town to deliver presents because the... what's not what what says christmas more than a yeah. dragon with a red nose with a red nose does the red <laughs> nose give the dragon any sort of mechanical advantage nope <laughs> no <laughs> nope <laughs> But you have to describe it as such so the players think that it's going to do something. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What about you, Neil? Uh, so it's funny that you went that direction because I went a somewhat similar direction that like I wanted to make Santa's evil counterpart, but instead of reindeer, it's all displacer beasts. Oh, God. So, like, oh no. Yeah. Uh-huh. There you go. That's terrible. Displacer reindeer. <laughs> yeah, and then you're also on dance. Wait, da- man, dancer, prance, da- ah, whatever. Honestly, that that <laughs> skill from that evil Santa being able to like steer a sled yeah. with displacer beasts. Like, anyway, uh, I would I would take a treant. Uh, mm-hmm. I would take a treant, and you know, in the in the middle of a snow covered uh, pine pine forest, evergreen forest, you have a a treant that's covered in. Uh, fairies uh, that are glowing all different sorts of colors. And I think that this treant, maybe they're more than just a treant, uh, but they're a fae lord or a fae lady uh, of of blessings. And so you can come across this treant uh, of, of good cheer that blesses your party with um, some sort of gifts before they go uh, into deeper into the forest where there are dangers, something mm-hmm. along those lines. So... Love it. Uh, question number 11. We got two left, guys. Uh, question number 11. How do you or could you celebrate uh, the holiday season with the players at your table? Chris. Yeah, we're doing um, – we have a longer session where we'll get together in December for like four or five hours. Because um, we usually do like online for two-hour sessions at a time, and then we do one longer one every so often. Um, and we're going to do a Christmas gift swap where we'll randomly draw people's names out ahead of time bring a gift of like 10 or $15 or less and give it to the person um, at the table. So that's how we'll celebrate. And yeah, in like a week or so that doesn't work out so well, the time travel and podcasting, but <laughs> a week from when we're recording this. Yeah. Yeah. Neil. 
Uh, so what I historically do is a gift exchange <laughs> in my table. The best part about no, it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's the answer I would go for. I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's like it's all stuff we'd probably buy for ourselves. And yeah. so, um, I mean, honestly, like, well, I guess I won't say what it is it's just in case somebody listens or whenever <clears throat> it comes out. But basically, we got something from promotionally that I had already bought for myself. So then I just kept the one sealed and I'm like, done and done. Um, so I know what I'm taking. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a fun thing because, like I said, it's something small that maybe you wouldn't have even thought to buy for yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you knew about it, you probably would have. So, yeah, gift exchange. So traditionally, over the past two uh, plus years, every yes. uh, Christmas season, I do a white elephant with my players otherwise known as a gift exchange. <laughs> I don't think we need to go any more into it. Obviously, it's just a fun thing to do with your players. Um, we, Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful way to just celebrate the season. All right, Neil, I'm typically, I've been the one asking the questions, but I'm going to let you round it out with question number 12 this year, uh, giving a little bit of background to the question. We had a question, we changed it up. Uh, looking into next year, take us away, Neil. Yeah, so like one of this is like we look back, we look way forward. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that got dropped that is probably one of the most exciting things of like in the D&D fandom is that the idea that for the 50th anniversary, a couple years from now, that a, the newest version is probably the most conservative way to mention it of Dungeons and Dragons will be released. So the idea is, is there something that you hope for to see um, or that you expect to see in this new version of Dungeons and Dragons? Chris. So I love the deadliness of 5e. Honestly, what I don't necessarily like about it is the ease of getting out of the deadliness after a session is done with how easily it is for short rests and long rests to happen and hmm. like the quickness of the recovery of characters, it seems like. And I know there's the whole like, well, it's not hit points. It's like essentially those are energy points, not like yeah, only yeah, the yeah. final blow is a thing that kills, you know, the yeah. person. And I get all of that. Um, but it does seem that it's rather easy. And maybe that's just because I don't plan enough encounters or whatever it is. But um or maybe even just an option to make it more deadly and how that would, how that would factor in. And that could just be me taking away short rests. I mean, that you know, whatever that is in fifth edition, but I, I don't think I'm necessarily alone in that. So figuring out how that whole rest and recovery thing works a little bit differently, I think would be one thing I'm curious about. Neil. Well, and I know they alluded to it. So the idea uh, that, the fifth edition books would still be compatible with whatever's happening. So the, the idea that it's more probably an iteration and may look something more like um, 3.5 was to three, maybe it's 5.5 is to five. Um, I don't know. Cause I'm not, I'm not the world's biggest digital person. Like I know, but I think part of it is like, I really hope that they do a good job of having really successful digital pieces um just because that's where it needs to go like i know that's not necessarily it's a weird thing i guess for me to say is like i know that i'm not a huge proponent of those but i just understand how much more that could develop the brand and develop everything behind it and how many more people they would bring in um so it's like 
more in-house digital components because like you have roll 20 but that's always dependent on agreements and yeah. sharing and secondary things D D beyond while extremely close to the company is also something that's not technically in-house um so yeah i hope a lot of that digital stuff moves in-house um just to be more prolific yeah yeah i know when we were talking about this a little bit before the episode you know what could this be what could this be um Neil, you even said, like, you know, there's speculation on is this like we had third edition and then we had 3.5? Is this 5.5? Or is this alluding to sixth edition? Um, I don't know if it was, like, an actual, like, Wizards of the Coast official thing, but I I remember when fifth edition coming out, like, there being a lot of talk about, like, this being the edition to move forward with. Like, we're not going to switch it around. We're keeping 5th edition around. Um, and I I don't know if that was an official thing, but I do like that mentality. I'd be okay with a 5.5. Let's get some uh, some options in, uh, maybe even bringing some things in from other editions that um, players and DMs alike miss. Uh, but I'm going to be honest. Like, it's going to be hard for me if it's a sixth edition thing um because uh that's been uh hard for me through my whole life you know when when we switched from vhs to dvds i had a lot a lot of vhs and i really resisted and was like no i don't like this when we switched from dvds to streaming i didn't like it because <laughs> i had a lot of dvds uh 3.5 to fifth edition was a struggle but i also only owned four books so it wasn't that big of a struggle as I look at my 5th edition shelf, uh, I will be really sad if 5th edition starts to fade. And I'm, I know eventually, someday, it probably will. Um, and you know what? All I can say is uh, I like streaming, and I liked DVDs over VHS, and I liked 5th uh, edition, and still like 5th edition a lot more than I like 3.5. So uh, I'll get over it if that's <laughs> what it is. So I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon that doesn't want change. But I think I also end up liking change once it happens. So uh, I don't know what this could be, but I guess it, I'm I'm hoping for like a 5.5 uh, if we're having any sort of change to the edition. So that's what I'll be looking forward to. Well, guys, we've done it. Uh, another Christmas episode uh, in the DMB uh, can, as it as we would say, uh, as we've never said ever before, but as I just said right now. Um, yeah, this was this has been a great year and a lot of great episodes, and I look forward, as I know you guys do, to another year in 2022, uh, of which we get to talk more D&D, because that's always yeah, the greatest thing to do. So, uh, Chris, Neil, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Uh, to all you listeners out there, Merry Christmas, we hope uh, that this is a magical season for you uh, in all different kinds of ways. And may the sleigh dragon bring you so many presents. You should have a gift exchange. <laughs> For sure. 